0: Thank you. Please take your seats. We're going to get back to this uh, scripture and talk about Peter here in just a minute. Uh, I wanted to start by uh, telling a story. I've told this story before a couple of times. Uh, These are new glasses. And they are bifocals. (laughs) Bifocals. I have never worn bifocals before, so who knows what I'm going to see in my notes. We're going to just do what, <laughs> what we do this morning. I don't know what's going on, so, so if I pause and I'm looking funny, I'm just dealing with these new glasses. That's, a, that's all right. So uh, the story goes, it's about Martin Luther and his friend, Frederick Marconis, Marconius, excuse me, Frederick Marconius. It was about 1540, fo- and um. Martin Luther finds himself in distress because he has received a letter from his friend, Frederick Marconius. Marconius is very ill. Matter of fact, he's on his deathbed and he had to have someone help him pin this letter to his good friend, Martin Luther. And it's a, it's a very tender farewell letter that he's saying goodbye to his friend, that, that this is it, I'm going to die now. And Martin Luther has received this letter and immediately he sent back A reply right along these lines. Uh, It says to his friend, he says, I command thee in the name of God to live, because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive me. For this I'm praying. This is my will, And may my will be done, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. So the story goes on, and when Marconius received this letter, he received this note back from Martin Luther. Marconius was, like I said, on his deathbed. He had even lost the ability to speak. But from that day on, after he received Martin Luther's reply, he gained his strength back and was soon off of his deathbed. Frederick Marconius lived six more years and he died two months after Luther. Folks, I think that's, I think that's just the power of prayer. It, it, when I read that story, to me, it, it, it almost sounds like Martin, Martin Luther... Wow. It sounds like Luther has, has gone boldly before the throne of God and made a demand of God. That's what, it, that's what it sounded like to me when I first read that. He, he's saying, this, this is what I want. You ever prayed a prayer like that? You think you'd feel comfortable praying a prayer like that? <laughs> I, I would feel uncomfortable. <laughs> but in Hebrews 10, we are reminded that we have confidence to boldly enter the holiest of places that we get to come into the very presence of God. We can enter there boldly because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's what invites sinners like you and me to a holy place in front of God the Father. Nobody else has that permission. No one else does except those who are saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And more than that, not only to be in his presence, but God gives us permission to pray crazy, wild, outlandish, I can't even think of the words, prayers. And I I think he meant for us to do just that. You see, in, in Matthew seventeen twenty, Jesus speaks. It says, Jesus speaks to them, and he says, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Do you think God would actually answer a prayer like that? If we had need, I'm not talking metaphorically. I'm talking about if we had need of a mountain to move from one place to another. And we were doing God's will and we still needed that mountain move. And we prayed for God to move that mountain. Do you think God would answer a prayer like that? You see, I believe that most of us don't. Most church people, most Christians, most believers do not believe that God would answer a prayer like that. And yet, folks, I have seen God do some mighty things. I have been witness to to things that were were inexplicable except by the grace and power of the God of this universe. I read about a pastor, he, he tells this story. He goes, he goes on and on, I'm gonna try to break it down, uh, which, which I think kind of wraps up my own view as well. You see, he was pastor of a church, and he comes in one morning, and he notices right off the bat, the church has been broken into. Uh, when, he, when he arrived, he noticed that a lot of the things were still there. The computers were there, some of the sound equipment, all that was still there. They had, uh, whoever had broken in had stolen a few things and vandalized a little bit of stuff. And they were really things really weren't that bad, but they'd been broken into. He called the police. <clears throat> the youth pastor shows up. They call the police. They do the report. They do everything they're supposed to do, and the police leave. And then the pastor and the youth pastor are sitting there talking. And the pastor eventually says, you know what? He says, at some point, whoever did this, they're going to get caught. And he, he says, wouldn't it be neat if after they get caught, we have an opportunity to witness to them? He and the youth pastor both agreed that that would be pretty cool. And so they, they said, you know what, we're going to pray for that. And they began to pray right then and there the next day they caught the kids who had broken into the church kids they were they were some youth they they caught them they took them to jail the police had had notified folks that they had found out who had done all of this <clears throat> the youth are in jail and they make a phone call those in jail make a phone call to the church that they had broken into the day prior. They call the church to apologize for their actions. And the pastor takes the call. He accepts their apology because hey, we're Christians. And then he says Would it be okay if we met they go down to the, to the jail. He gets to share with them. He witnesses to them. And they do a little bit of jail time. And after they're released, two of them begin to attend the church that they had broken into. Those two brought their families to the church that they had broken into. Several of the members of their families got saved and baptized in that church that they had broken into and then the pastor who's writing this story he says this i was amazed at what happened i was surprised at what god did in answer to our prayers Wouldn't we be surprised, too? Wouldn't we be surprised if God did exactly what we'd been praying for? You know, I probably should admit this to you as a preacher. I've had God answer prayers. And I'm I'm genuinely surprised when it happens. I think we tend to hide from prayer when we should be embracing prayer. So let's go back to the scripture we read in Acts. James, the brother of John, they were two of the original 12 disciples. James had just been put to death by Herod. And when Herod realized how popular this execution had been, he decided that it was time to do it again. And so he chose out Peter. Then he wanted to eliminate him as well. So Peter was arrested and he's placed under heavy guard in prison. No one was going to get to Peter. No one was going to be able to to break into the jail and, and take Peter away because Herod wouldn't allow it. He's the king. But then there's that one part of it's not even a whole verse. It's part of a verse. Acts 12 the, the second part of verse 5 tells us but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. The church began to pray. People like you and me began to pray for a situation that was, was beyond their control. They began to pray, and God heard their prayer. Folks, let me break right there for a moment and tell you what an amazing thing that is. God listens to us. God hears you. When you, when you pour out your heart to him, when we pour out our aches and our pains, when we tell him what our true desires are, God listens to us. Folks, that's a miracle. God heard this church pray for Peter. And so God sent an angel to bring Peter out of the prison. There was one pastor who wrote, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. We got got Peter under arrest. By the way, it says, I think it said there were four squads guarding him. Best we can figure that, that was about 16 guards. 16 men, trained soldiers, were guarding Peter so that no one broke him out of prison. The next day, Peter is going to go on trial for his life, but everybody already knows what the outcome is going to be. Peter is going to die. They're going to kill him the next day. So what does Peter do in prison that night? He goes to sleep. He goes to sleep. When Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door who were keeping the prison. Here's my question, would you be sleeping? If, if you knew you were going on, on, on trial for your life and you knew what the, what the verdict was going to be already and you knew what the outcome was going to be already, would you be sleeping? I don't think I'd be sleeping. How on earth could, could Peter sleep the night before he knew he was going to be condemned to die? I think I have the answer to that question. See, back in Mark Chapter 4, verses 35 through 40. It tells a story about the disciples in the boat with Jesus when the big storm came. The waves are breaking on the boat. It says the boat's already taken on water. They were sinking. They were doing everything they could to keep the water out of the boat. They're trying to get over to land. The situation is just getting worse. The storm is too bad. There's too much water. They're going to die. And it says the disciples go and find Jesus. Where was Jesus? asleep on a cushion. They woke him up and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And what did Jesus do? Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and the sea. He said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. There was a great calm. Then he turns to his disciples and he says to them, why are you so afraid? I think the Leroy version of Scripture, I always remind folks, there's there's no saving knowledge, grace in the Leroy version of Scripture. But in the Leroy version, Jesus says, why are you so afraid? I'm right here. I'm right here. I think he's telling us the same thing as well. Why are you so afraid? God says, I'm right here. We hear about the turmoil going on in our world around us, and sometimes it shocks us to the core, and we we get scared. And Jesus is telling us, Why are you afraid? I'm right here. I'm the answer. I'm here. I've been here the whole time. I'm right before you. Why are you so afraid? We need to remember the same Jesus in Scripture is our Jesus as well. I think Jesus spoke to Peter and told Peter in his soul, in Peter's spirit, I think Jesus told him, peace, be still. He ever told you that? And he said it to me a time or two. So the night before he was going to die, Peter heard Jesus speaking. Remember Jesus speaking. Peace be still. And so Peter, Peter was able to just go to sleep in prison. I think it was a sign of his faith that he was asleep. In fact, it was probably one of the greatest compliments that Peter could have paid to Jesus. I think he just, I think he had just left everything at God's throne. It didn't matter to Peter whether he lived or died that day. The way he figured it, he couldn't lose. If he died, he'd get to go be with Jesus, which was something he really wanted to do. But if he got to live, then he'd have the opportunity to build and strengthen Christ's church here on earth. That's why Peter could sleep. And so. He slept because Jesus was bigger than the storm. Because Jesus was bigger than jail. Because Jesus is bigger than the problems in this country that we face today. Peace. Be still. But now notice something too. I want you to notice this as well. That just because Peter believed God could rescue him, it didn't mean that Peter believed God could would rescue him. Peter didn't know what was going to happen. The angel of the Lord appeared and shone a light in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, woke him up, and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off. The angel said to him, put on your clothes, your sandals. And Peter did so. You know how I know Peter wasn't sure if God was going to break him out of jail? Check it out. If I'm in jail, and I even think there's going to be a jailbreak. I keep my sandals on. I'm going to be ready. I'm ready to go. Peter said, you know what? God, you got this. What happens, happens. I'm going to sleep. He, he, he took off his outer garment, took off his sandals. He laid down. The scripture says the angel showed up in the cell and a bright light shone in the cell. That should wake you up. Peter was out. I think the angel came in, going back to that book of Leroy again. I think the angel came in and went, Peter, let's go. Psst. Peter was racked out. Nothing. Peter, let's go. Nothing. It says eventually he had to hit him in the ribs to get him, get him. Peter, get up. Time to go. Yeah, Peter's like, I was sleeping good. Why are you hitting me? Get your sandals on, man. Let's go gets his sandals on get you get your cloak get your robes on come on let's go takes him out and they start off peter followed him out of the prison but he had no idea that what was happening was real he thought it was a vision so they go out beyond at at least two checkpoints with guards nothing they get out to the city gate which has been locked and the scripture says it just kind of opened by itself they take off down the street, they make a couple of turns and then the angel's gone and Peter goes, now I know God broke me out of prison. Really? You didn't know that when an angel showed up? You, you didn't know that when you walked out of prison? When you walked by the guards, when the gate opened up, you didn't know it then? You had to wait? Here's the thing, folks. The whole thing seems so wild, so crazy, so outlandish that it couldn't possibly be happening. It never crossed Peter's mind that that he might actually be getting out of jail right then and there. It shouldn't have happened that way. It wasn't supposed to happen that way. It defied all the laws of, of physics, of probability, everything. It was unheard of. It shouldn't have worked. God surprised Peter by what he did. God will sometimes, sometimes answer our prayers in such wild and powerful ways that it takes us by surprise as well. We must never forget, never forget that it started, started with prayer. That church got together. And prayed together. As I sat here this morning, I envisioned somebody coming in and telling the church what was going on with Peter and they got worried. And I envisioned them maybe meeting together and breaking up into small groups of three or four people and bowing their heads and petitioning God on the behalf of others, on behalf of Peter, Lord God. They poured out their hearts to him, Jesus. You know what I don't think they did? I don't think they they laid out a PowerPoint plan of all the things that God needed to do. Step one, step two, step three, step four. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I've prayed to God that way. Here's what I need. Here's the order I need it in. You want your plans or you want God's plans? Because I'll tell you what, I've jacked some stuff up in my life with my plans. I don't know anything that God's messed up before. Sometimes we need to just pray and leave things at God's feet, which is what I think think that church did. I don't think they got together and laid out the jailbreak plan. I think they just prayed for Peter. They prayed for him and said, God, you work out the details. If you read on in Scripture, don't do it right now, but you read on in Scripture, Peter shows up at the church where they were meeting. Peter shows up at the church so a little girl, I think it was, goes, to, goes and answers the door, then goes back inside and says, hey, everybody, Peter's outside. And they went, not possible. Didn't, it didn't happen. You're mistaken. No way. <laughs> no way did God answer our prayers by sending Peter to our place of worship this night. That's what they said. The Leroy version, anyway. But that's exactly what he did. What if God answers our prayers? What if we told him what we wanted, what we needed, what our desires were? What, what, if, what, if, what if we prayed for our friends the way Martin Luther prayed for his friend? What if we bowed our heads and hit our knees for this country the way we ought to and prayed for God to, to reign supreme? In this world around us. What would God do? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know the details. I don't know what God has, has, has set. But I know He can. I don't know what's going on in your life. Right now. Right here this morning. Because I believe there are some of us that are, that are holding on to things we don't want other people to know about. We come in church, we put on smiles, we shake people's hands, and inside we're hurting. We don't know how to lay that at God's feet. And I think that's exactly what we need to do is lay it at God's feet. I believe... In this world around us there are some people who are crying out for for something in their lives. Something to fill the void. They don't really know what they're they're crying out for. And what they're really crying out for is for a God who loves them. And God's saying the answer to their prayers might be the people within the walls of this church. You. You might be the answer that God is providing to someone's prayer. I didn't say he's going to use you to go create a jailbreak somewhere. i not go breaking people out of prison. Tell them Leroy sent me. No. But you listen to God. You Listen to God and do what he calls, what he tells you to do. I wonder what, how this world would change if we did just that. If you and, I, you and I did that, just us here this morning decided to do that, what God calls us to do. I tell you what, this church would change. It couldn't contain itself. <laughs> and then, then all these houses out here around the church, they would change. Living rooms, bedrooms, family rooms. Kitchens, dining rooms, they would change all around us. This community would change. And this community changed. The city around it would hear, what's going on over there in East Valley? And the city would begin to change. And people get wind of it on the other side of the state. And say, what's going on there over on that other side of Spokane? What's going on over there in, the, in Spokane Valley? And the state might change. And people in this country wonder, hey, what's going on up there in Washington State? And the state might change. The country might change. The world might change. If we decide to change. If we decide to hit our knees and pray like God wants us to pray. We're at the time of invitation. I remind you again, we are invited. You and I, sinners like us, are invited into the very presence of God. Praise God for that. Because I don't deserve it. None of us do. I don't deserve it. But he's still calling to us and still inviting. First and foremost, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to come this morning during the time of invitation when we sing in a moment. We're going to stand. If you'd walk down this aisle, shake my hand, just tell me you want to know what it means to have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. I'll tell you what scripture says about it. That's the only thing I'm going to do. I'm not going to ask you to memorize a bunch of stuff, recite some stuff, or any of that. None of that. I'm just going to tell you what scripture says. That's what I'm going to tell you how to know for sure if you died, that you'd spend, you'd get to spend eternity in heaven with God. That's what I'm going to do. For the rest of us, you know that your eternity is set with God in heaven, y'all are my brothers and my sisters. I love reminding folks we're going to have a good time in heaven for all eternity. And if you're up there and not having a good time, you come find me. Because I'm going to be where the party is all the time. But folks, we're still here upon this earth because God's got something for us to do. God's got a work and a ministry for you. God's got something for us to pray about. Would you do your part? Would you say yes to Him? The invitation is for you as well, Christians, to say yes to God. Invitation's open. We're going to stand and sing. What are we singing? I I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. Let's stand and sing. You need to come and pray. The altar's open. You come and pray. You see a brother or sister coming up here, folks, just come up and join them. We could always use a brother or sister to pray with.